Salvation Now podcast, where you'll discover and be equipped with keys from the Word of God that will pave the way to God's unlimited blessing in your life. Now, here's your host, Evangelist T.J. Malkanji. Let's get in it. Are you ready for a miracle? I want you to set your faith today. You were born there 19 years before moving to Oregon. Praise the Lord. I want you to set your faith today for a miracle. That today is going to be a day where whatever I've been believing God for, I'm not going to believe God for it in the future. I'm setting my faith today to have it now. Because every day is God's day. The day you decide to believe becomes your day. Every day, I'm going to say that again. Every day is God's day. The day you decide to believe and act on that faith becomes your day. I want to read something from Isaiah 35 that uh, fires me up every time I read it. Isaiah 35, 3. The Bible says, if you haven't shared the broadcast, please share it. And share it throughout the stream. If you share it multiple times, you can go afterwards on your Facebook um, page and then hide, your, hide it from your timeline so it doesn't look like, you know, you just shared 40, 40 videos in one day. But you can, like, hide it afterwards. That's what I do. I share it multiple times. My wife does that. And so as you do that, more people are going to be able to hear the message. So you, I'd, I'd appreciate it if you did that. You'd be a great help to me. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees knees which means get moving verse 4 say to those who are fearful hearted be strong and do not fear that's why we do these broadcasts because the bible commands me as a minister to say to those that are fearful hearted say to those that are ready to quit say to those that are weaning say to those that are growing weak be strong. You know that that's not an option as a Christian, as a believer, as one who's been born again. You don't have the option to be weak. The Bible commands you to be strong and not to fear. And fear, you have, you know, you don't have to fall prone to, to be a victim of fear every day of your life. You can actually stand against fear because as long as fear remains in your heart and in your spirit, you, you don't allow an environment around you where it's conducive for miracles. Fear is like a repellent for God's presence. Fear, that's why David continuously said throughout the Psalms, the Lord is my light and my salvation. I will not fear. I want you to write that out in the comment section. I refuse to fear. I refuse to fear. <laughs> Fear is a spirit. Fear, if you actually get down to the, the nitty gritty, fear is not an emotion you feel. F fear is a spirit. And you have the option either to accept that spirit or to reject and forcefully refuse what that spirit's trying to bring your way. You understand before the devil can get to Job, he had to first get him to fear, calamity, tragedy, and, and trouble. That's why the Bible says in the book of Job, I believe it's three Job 3.22, I might be mistaken on the reference, but it says that the things Job saying, after he had the initial uh, battle with the enemy, the, the initial defeat came his way, the initial uh, challenge and attack of the devil came his way, he said, the thing which I have feared 
has come upon me and that which I dreaded has come to me. The thing which I have feared has come upon me and that which I have dreaded has come my way. Fear attracts demonic attack. That's why Joshua, Joshua 1, the thing God told Joshua to do primarily was to be strong and courageous. Do not fear and don't allow yourself to be discouraged. That's why the first thing on the onset of this broadcast, I want to get in you today. It's not, I want you to reject discouragement. If you feel discouraged, you feel like you, you know, you, you've had a bad week or a bad month or a bad six months, whatever it is. I want you to reflect today. Uh, Psalm 42 says, why so downcast, oh my soul? Hope in God. You got to downcast, meaning depressed. Why so depressed? Depression's not the natural attitude a child of God is to carry depression should be foreign to a born-again believer matter of fact Charles Spurgeon whom they used to call the prince of preachers he said that any scripture when fully believed on has the power to totally dismantle depression in anybody's life any scripture when fully believed on it has the power to totally dismantle any form, even the most vile form of depression in any man's life. Depression is of the devil. Discouragement is of the devil. Anytime, you can see this in, in the Bible, every time the Holy Spirit came upon someone, even in the Old Testament, when the Spirit of God came on someone, it always gave them courage it always empowered them to take action on the word of god to strengthen the the weak hands and to strengthen their feeble knees to start moving in the direction that god had for them to move in second chronicles 20 the bible says that there were three armies that were arrayed against judah and the inhabitants of judah the the armies of mount Seir, the armies of um of Moab and the Ammonites. And they had told, they had like, it wasn't like they had no reason to fear. Judah had every reason in the natural to fear that attack. So fear is not what they used to call it. False evidence appearing real. As if like, you know, well, you know, they really have no rational, uh, they have no rational reason to fear. No, in the flesh, in the natural, the unredeemed spirit should fear anything that comes their way but the bible says now that you've been made a royal priesthood now to as many as received him to them gave he power to become children of god to them gave he power to become children of god and the bible says when you become a child of god that perfect love casteth out all fear perfect love cast Beloved, we love him because he first loved us. When you receive the love of God through salvation, that love has the ability to obliterate, to blast fear out of your life. So that doesn't mean that you'll never have another reason to fear, but now you have an ability, a rigid spirit, a forceful spirit, a, 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 um, robust spirit to reject uh, fear anytime it tries to rear its ugly head can you say amen so what happened three armies come against judah and the bible says that uh what's his name hezekiah cries out to god and so it says lord we have this great army that's come against us we don't know what to do but our eyes are on you and we're putting our trust in you to break us free today what ended up happening 
Bible says the spirit of the Lord came upon a man in the camp. And what did that spirit do? The spirit of God empowered him to give words. <laughs> Let me read it actually, because it's a powerful story. Second Chronicles chapter 20. God's spirit is an encouraging spirit. God's spirit never brings discouragement. God's voice, the Bible says, and God shall speak, yea, he shall speak peace unto his people. The Bible says in Isaiah 30, thou shalt hear a, a, a voice behind thee saying, this is the way, walk ye therein. And we understand that the ways of God, the way of the Lord is strength and prosperity for the upright, but destruction shall come to workers of iniquity. So when you're outside of covenant with God, the Bible says they that do wickedly against the covenant, God will corrupt with flatteries, meaning that their life will be hard. Uh, you can read in 2 Chronicles 15, the Bible says for a long time, Israel was without God, without a true priest, and without the word of God. And there was no peace to him who came in, nor was there peace to those who go out. So to the unredeemed person, life is a misery. Life is a struggle. But to the one who's been redeemed, bought back by the blood of Jesus, who's been purchased by the spotless, blemishless blood of the lamb without spot or wrinkle, the not redeemed by perishable items such as silver and gold, but by the precious blood of a lamb, the Bible says of incorruptible seed of the word of God, which liveth and abide forever. That when you get redeemed, the Bible says now we who once were not the people of God have been made the people of God. Once who had not received mercy have now received mercy. Who when we were Gentiles in the flesh, we walked and we were foreigners to the promises of God. But now we are partakers of God's divine nature. And as such, greater is he that lives in us than he that can that is in the world so to the unredeemed child of God the struggle is real but to those that have been who have come to Zion to the city of the living God the Bible says let the redeemed of the Lord say so and Jesus said it best when he hung on that cross and he let out his final words which were which was it is finished to the unredeemed the struggle is real to the redeemed the struggle is over to the unredeemed the struggle is real to the redeemed the struggle is over that's why the devil tries to get you to believe that, that you still have to go through you know this is life oh we'll just leave it into God's hands amen we'll ju just pray things turn around just totally leaving it to luck and whatever life gives you, whatever, you know, and, and if you live that way, it, nothing will ever change. Nothing will ever change. The Bible doesn't say it is unto you as you have hoped. It says it is unto you as you have believed. Hope is future tense. Hope deals with the future. And there are things we do hope for as believers. We hope for the, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We hope for the revelation of Christ as he comes back and comes back and splits the, the sky open. And we who are, uh, those who are dead are caught up and we who are alive are caught up with them. And we, uh, we have the blessed hope of the return of Christ. That, that is something we hope for. We hope for heaven after we die. We hope for, for the, uh, for, for an eternity of blissful enjoyment with Christ. But there are things, those are things you hope for. And the Bible says you're to hope and place your Christ 
who is the hope of glory, but there are things that we have to believe God for. Hope is always future tense. Faith says, I have it now. Hope postpones things to the future. Hope always deals with things that are yet to come. But faith acknowledges the things which have already come. Faith, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So faith is now. I want you to write that out in the comment section. Faith is now. Let's move on. So the Spirit of God comes on to Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah. And the Bible says, he opens up his mouth and says these words. Do not be afraid. There it is again. Nor be discouraged. See, every time God wanted to work a miracle for his people, he always told them to not be afraid nor be discouraged. Even when Peter was told by Jesus to step out of the boat and to walk on water, the first thing Jesus had to tell him, was don't be afraid, be of good cheer, it is I. Don't be afraid, be of good cheer, it is I. Because as long as they cried out, it's a ghost and fear crippled their spirit, he would have, he would have taken his first step off the boat and would have plunged right into the deep. And then you notice, as he stayed in faith and his eyes fixed on Jesus, the laws of the natural gave way for the supernatural law of faith. And natural laws, like gravity, were suspended. And what would have happened for a normal person, as he, as he implemented the law of faith in his life, Peter began to walk on water. And as long as he, uh, he walked on the law of faith, he walked on water. But the moment the Bible says he gave way and his eyes looked to the boisterous, boisterous winds and he began to look at the fearful winds and the storm around him, that's when he began to sink. That's why the devil works overtime to get you to veer your attention elsewhere, to put your eyes on that barren womb, to put your eyes on that sick child to put your eyes on that symptom in your body to put your eyes on that business that doesn't seem to be doing well he does everything to try and make you look at the things around you that are failing instead of looking at the God who can never fail because the Bible says if God be for you what can come against you but if he if the devil can deceive you into thinking into making you think that God's not really for you that these are just things God makes you to go through that these are just things you have to bear in life how many of you know life's not flowers and daisies there's a lot of struggle and we one day we'll go to heaven but until then as long as the devil gets you to think that way then you're you're gonna constantly be sinking when God's called you to walk on the water Isaiah 43 when the Lord is with you the way the Bible says the river will not overflow you the Bible says the waters will not engulf you the Bible says the flame of fire will not burn you nor will you be scorched for God said, I have given others in your place. I have called you. I have ransomed you. You are mine. I am yours. And let the redeemed of the Lord begin to say so. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. The Lord is my light and my salvation. I shall not fear. Though the And that's not... You ignoring problems around you. Well, I don't have any problem. No. David even said... Many are my adversaries all around me. Many are they that try to crush me. Many are they that are rising up against me. 
But the Bible says my adversaries and my enemies, they will stumble and they will fall. That's why I'm here to tell you today, no matter what the devil's done to you, every weapon formed against you, every system that's been raided against you to try and make life difficult, to, tr to make you feel like the world's collapsing on your shoulders, those things fall today. As God arises, your enemies are scattered in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Are you ready for a miracle? Are you ready for a miracle? I'm tired of hearing people say things like, well, it's, it's all in God's hands now. What do you think God's hands do? What do you think God's hands are made of? Plastic? Do you think God's hands are weak hands? No. It, it, Exodus, the Bible says, the hand of the Lord has become excellent in power. The hand of the Lord has scattered and dashed the enemy to pieces. So when you say, well, it's all in God's hands now. We'll just see what he does. What do you think God's hands do? God's hands are not destroying hands if you're a child of God. God's hands are not suppressive hands. God's, hand, God's not trying to crush you. God's trying to build you up. God's trying to raise you up. So when you say, well, it's all in God's hands, then that should be a good thing because God's hands are healing hands. God's hands are miracle working hands. God's hands are, are, are restorative hands. God's hands are building hands. God's hands are 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 propelling hands where they push you forward into your destiny well it's all in God's hands now well that should be a good thing then then you should expect the best to happen because as long as you left it in your hands that's when things begin to uh, continue to suck that's when things continue to, to go downward that's when things continue to be hard in life but when you that's why first Peter 5 7 the Bible says humble yourself under the mighty hand of God what does humble yourself mean it means Stop trying to do things in your own power because you ultimately in your own power don't have the ability to deal with the devil. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 6, you are to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Therefore, humble yourself. Realize I can't do it on myself. I've tried like that woman with the issue of blood. I've spent all that I've had on the hands of many physicians. Like Naaman, like I spoke on on Tuesday. He had tried everything and he was dying of leprosy. And when Elisha came out and said, go and wash in the river Jordan he got offended because he still had pride in his spirit he got offended and said man what is this Israelite telling me how many of the rivers of Damascus are much cleaner and better and and carry more healing power than the river of Jordan why did I come all this way and as long as pride was in his spirit the Bible says God resists the proud but God does give grace to the humble and when he humbled himself and said you know what I'll do it he dipped himself seven times and the Bible says his flesh that was riding away his flesh maybe had lost a few fingers maybe he lost an ear and his flesh that had rotted away supernaturally was restored like that of a child I'm telling you today whatever's rotted in your family whatever's rotted in your life whatever's rotting in your body if you'll carry out and act on your faith carry out God's word and say no if God be for me I'm going to declare I will not lose heart but I will declare that I will yet see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living then you'll see what was rotting will be restored what was dying will spring back to life again what was sick will be healed what was bound will be freed what was caught in captive will enjoy the liberty of the sons of God are you ready for a miracle today hallelujah
I want you to lift your hands wherever you're at and just begin to say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready. I reject the, the enemy's report. I reject the systems of this world. I reject the corruption of this world. I reject the corruption of the devil. I reject every corrosive agent of hell and I receive your miracle today. I'm not leaving here the same way I came in Jesus' mighty name. Kembrondosa preyadosara. It's gonna let me tell you, it's gonna be a bad day for hell in your family, for hell in your life. Let me tell you, every time the devil pushed his hand and, and stretched his hand against the people of God in the Bible, it always backfired. Is everything he's everything the devil does is hardwired to fail. It's hardwired to fail. Every time he stretches out his hand towards you, he's only gonna get burnt. He's only gonna taste of hellfire ahead of time because God has called you and he said, I surround you as a wall of fire, and my glory shall be in your midst. Hallelujah. I'm surrounded by a wall of fire. Every time the devil, when Herod stretched out his hand against the church in Acts chapter 12 and tried to, he took uh, James, the brother of, of John and decapitated. Then he tried to go out against Peter. And if the church hadn't prayed, he would have probably knocked all the apostles out. But the Bible says the church began to pray. What does that mean? They set their faith for a breakthrough. They set their faith for a miracle for Peter. Some of you could be standing in the gap today for a miracle, not for yourself, but you have someone in your family, a friend, a loved one, a relative that's looking for breakthrough. Let me tell you, you can set your faith for them today. And if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they might ask, God said, I'll enforce it from heaven. And the church began to pray. Had they not prayed, the devil's, the devil's, um, reign of terror the devil's assaults would have continued and prevailed but when they set themselves to pray the bible says that herod uh when peter was in the prison an angel came and struck him on the side and get and told him to get up and then he delivered him into the house of uh, that lady i forget her name and you know peter was supernaturally delivered but i want you to know something that the same god that delivered peter Hallelujah. The same God that delivered Peter when it came time to dealing with Herod. The same chapter, Acts chapter 12. Herod began to array himself and he got really confident and, and highly exalted himself. And the Bible says when the people began to cry out, Herod is the voice of God and not of a man. Let the angel of the Lord, the same one that broke Peter out of prison, struck Herod and he got eaten from the inside with, with worms. He began to die and decay from the inside. Why? Because you can't stretch your hand against the people of God and not get burnt. You can't get up. You can't contend with God's people and not have God contend with you. And I'm here to tell you today, whatever has come against your house and your family and your finances, God is going to get up and rise up and he will render unto the wicked the punishment due their name. And they'll know, the devil will know from this point forward, that's not a house we can go to. That house is covered by the blood. That house is sealed by the blood. That house, they say the name of Jesus there. And I can't, just, I can't stand to hear that name. That'll be your testimony in the mighty name of Jesus. Share this broadcast. It's going to be a bad day for the devil and a good day for the people of God today. If you believe that, shout amen wherever you're at. And the Spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel and said, Listen, all you inhabitants of Judah, do not be afraid nor be dismayed because, the, because of this great multitude. The devil wants to magnify his efforts 
make you to seem like the children of God when they were going to go take up Canaan and they sent out the 12 spies. The 10 spies came back and said, what? We're like grasshoppers in their sight. They're way too big. Their cities, their cities have walls that go up even to heaven. Just magnifying the devil's work. Stop magnifying the devil with your mouth. Stop complaining about how, how, how hard things have been. That's why things continue to remain hard. That's why things, uh, the, the devil has, has like almost comforted himself in your home. Because you, as long as you complain, you magnify the devil. And when you magnify the devil, he loves that. So he gravitates your way. But instead, if you'll do what David did, I will bless the Lord with my mouth. With my mouth, I I will declare his loving kindness by day and his faithfulness by night for he makes my strength like the strength of a wild ox he anoints my head with fresh oil I plant my feet in the house of God and I'm always flourishing in the courts of God for they that do appear before God in Zion we go from strength to strength You'll see when you start to speak like that, the devil can't stand an atmosphere of faith. The devil can't stand when you start to confess God's word concerning your situation. He backs off for free. No fight, no battle. Notice what it says here. For the battle is not yours, but God's. You've been fighting this thing. You've been trying in the natural. You've tried doctors. You've tried pills. You've tried counseling. You've tried therapy. And it's not done you any good. I'm here to tell you try God today because God's word never fails he said I'm not a man that I should lie I'm not a man that I would change my mind concerning you my thoughts towards you remain the same thoughts for good thoughts for prosperity thoughts to give you a future and a hope for I did send my word to heal you and deliver you from all your destruction the Bible doesn't say many are the afflictions of the righteous and then end there yes many are the afflictions of the righteous the devil will try to come against you. But the Bible goes on to say, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. That means there's no affliction. There's no battle I can't lose. There's no battle I can't win. There's no victory I can't have. No matter what it is, if it's a miracle in your mind today, then God's going to break you free. If it's a miracle in your body, God's still Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. If it's a miracle in your finances, he's still Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides for you and he said I love you and since he loves us what can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus there's nothing there's neither trial nor tribulation there's neither uh, devils there's no angel there's no height there's no depth there's nothing that's been created that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus and if it can't separate you from the love of God and the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that God is love and love never fails if it can't separate you from the love of God then it can't separate you from the victory no we're not fighting for the victory we have the victory because we're on the Lord's side we're in the camp of the overcomers I've left the camp of losers I've left the camp of the defeated I've come over onto the winning side hallelujah I want you to write that out in the comment section I'm on the winning side I'm on the winning side I don't lose any battles I don't ever go downwards. I'm not 
anointed to go backwards. It's forward ever, backwards never. It's upward always, downwards never. I'm anointed to win everywhere I go now unto him who leads us to triumph in all things through Christ Jesus. We are in him more than conquerors because he loved us. I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not just a conqueror. I'm more than a conqueror. That means I don't even have to fight. You know who's the conqueror? The one who goes to war and fights and earns his belt. You know who's more than a conqueror? The, the king that sat by on his horse and just watched the victory come in his way. That's what Jesus already fought for you. Jesus already went to war against the devil and his demons. There was war in heaven. The demon and the devil and his angels fought against uh, Michael and his angels, but they prevailed not. Neither was there any place found for them in heaven, but they were cast down. So woe unto you inhabitants of the earth, for the devil has come to you having great wrath, but unto you that dwell in the heavens. And that's where I dwell. I've been born from above. I'm seated in heavenly places. My home, my citizenship is in heaven. And ye that dwell in the heavens the Bible says we're to rejoice and be glad ahead of time Jericho when the walls of Jericho were to fall God didn't say when they fall then you should start rejoicing no he said if you'll shout now if you'll declare my praise now if you'll start to lift up your voice now then you don't shout when the battle is over you shout now and God assumes responsibility to fight your battles and God never loses a battle hallelujah hallelujah Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The battle is not yours, but God's. It's about time you start to transfer over your battles to God. Well, it's all in God's hands. They use that in a negative way. But in reality, when the, hand, when the battle comes into his hands, the victory is, sir, is sure. The victory is secure. The victory is secure. For many years, the people of Israel, the children of God, complained in Egypt. And it didn't do them any good. But when God sent Moses and assumed responsibility for his people and took over the battle, it was in many days before Israel was left out. And not only were they set free, on their way out, the Bible says the Egyptians had favor on them and they began to load them with silver and gold. The same people that oppressed them, the same people that treated them spitefully, when they were releasing them into freedom, they were the ones adding wealth to them, adding money, making sure they had all their needs met. Hallelujah. You can get to the point where the devil's no longer your master. He becomes your slave. Hallelujah. You can get to the point where the things that used to oppress you, you have total dominion over. Where you're not, you're not running around helter-skelter, worrying about the devil. The devil's running around Worrying about you because of this revelation in your spirit. Are you ready for a miracle? Then he gives them an instruction. Go down and begin to praise them. Uh, praise God. Position yourselves. You will not need fight this battle. Do not fear nor be dismayed. There it is again. Tomorrow go out against them, For the Lord is with you. And the Bible says, believe in the Lord your God and you shall you shall be established. Believe in his prophets and you shall prosper. And when he had consulted with the people and he appointed the, the singers to go out and praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. The Bible says when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord said ambushment against their enemies so that no one had escaped. And the Bible says that they plundered their enemies and there was so much spoil it took days to gather it all in. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. And the Bible says, and the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave, them, gave him rest round about. God can give you all around rest. There are three areas that I'm going to talk about today where God can do a miracle for you. Three areas. Rebecca, look at that. Tune in. I, I've heard this testimony, but for those watching, I, in April, I ended up throwing Ativan, used for anxiety and depression in the garbage. God took it all. And look, it's not like she threw it all away and all of a sudden, you know, she's really bad now and, and you know, it ended really bad. She had to go back to the doctor and tell her I threw my pills away. No, totally delivered. Because whatsoever the Lord doeth, it shall be forever. God doesn't do things halfway. <laughs> what I was reading before. Isaiah 35. Say to those who are fearful, be strong and courageous. Verse 5. When you're strong and courageous, these are the things that follow. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. God can open up blind eyes. Then what do you think? Maculate degeneration or a few eye tissues that need help or uh, whatever. Blindness, uh, 90% blind, 80. If he can do 100% blind and heal that, then what do you think 80% blind is to him? It's nothing. Tissues on the retina going bad or whatever, nerve damage in the optical nerves, whatever it might be. If God, if he said, then the eyes of the blind shall be open, he's not talking about just spiritual blindness. He's talking about physical blindness. Jesus wasn't speaking spiritual sermons all the time. And then when blind people came to him and said, hey, I heard you said that the spirit of the Lord is upon you to give recovery of sight to the blind. Uh, can you heal my eyes? Well, no, I meant that spiritually. Uh, you see, this is what I mean, disciples. People will twist my word all the time. He healed the blind. The Bible says, then they brought unto him all that were blind, deaf, mute, lame, and maimed. And the multitudes marveled when they saw the blind seen, the deaf hearing, the lame running, and the maimed made whole. And they glorified the God of Israel. The Bible says that Jesus taught, preached, and healed every kind of sickness and every kind of disease amongst the people. The Bible says, Acts 10, 38, no doubt you know Jesus of Nazareth, whom God anointed with the Holy Ghost and power, who went about doing good, healing everyone that was oppressed by the devil. Well, that was Jesus. Okay, let's go to Acts chapter 5. Peter, not Jesus, Peter. The Bible says that many signs and wonders were done by his hands. So, so much to the point that just his shadow, Acts chapter 5 and verse, I think it's verse 14 or 15, that people were bringing their sick to where Peter was, that perhaps his shadow would fall upon the sick. And as many as it did fall on, they were restored supernaturally. So that didn't even happen in Jesus' ministry. But the Holy Ghost is the same. And Jesus said, the works you see me do, you will do in greater works. We're not in a time of lesser works than Jesus. We're in the time that Jesus prophesied of greater works. Acts 19. Okay, that was Peter. What about Paul? Extraordinary miracles were done by his hands. So the handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick. And the diseases left them and the demons were cast out. I was in the Dominican Republic once. I was preaching and my translator ends up telling me, my, my, uh, my, my father-in-law is sick. He has di uh, no, he has the dengue fever. The dengue fever and uh, a lung infection. 
And the doctor said he's got like a month to live. So my wife has done, my wife has done uh, all the funeral arrangements. We've bought all the, all the stuff and we're just getting ready for him to die. But if you can help, come and pray for him. We were going in the opposite direction that night. So I said, I can't come physically, but take this handkerchief. I had a handkerchief I had preached, on, uh, preached with that night. I said, take this to him. And uh, I prayed over it. And I said, wipe it wherever the fever is and the lung infection. So his chest and his head. And, and we're going to believe God and set our faith that as if I had come and prayed, the same power, the resurrection power of God's going to get into his body and he won't die. So what ended up happening? He ends up going home that night, not mocking it. Well, who do you think you are? You know, look at this uh, high-minded preacher. He won't even come and pray for my father-in-law. Told him he's dying and you know, he, didn't get he didn't mock me. He didn't get offended. He took, we, I had quoted Acts 19.11 to him. How God did the same through Paul. And he took it by faith. Went back home that night. Wiped it all over his chest. His father's father-in-law's chest and his father-in-law's head. And the next morning, he went in to check on him. To see if he had survived the night. And when he did, he couldn't find him in his bedroom. So he went to where the general kitchen area was. And he saw them there. He hadn't been out of bed for two whole weeks prior to that night. He was out of bed, sitting at the kitchen table, eating cereal. And said, hey, good morning. The following week, he was in church testifying. And I checked in on him a year or two years after. The guy, still, the guy was still alive at 72 years old when he was destined. He, uh, he had been given a report from the doctor saying he won't survive two weeks. And at 72 years old, the, the God of heaven added multiple years to his life. He's still alive to this day. Can you say amen? Because the devil doesn't get to decide when you die. The devil doesn't have the power of death anymore. Jesus took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And the Bible says he gets to decide now. And he's already decided your way that you should live for long life. That he would satisfy you and show you his salvation. Hallelujah. The eyes of the blind will be open. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Deaf ears. The lame shall leap like a deer. And the tongue of the dumb shall sing. The waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water. That's just talking about general breakthrough. That's just talking about general breakthrough. Not just, you know, God's not just interested in your health and, uh, and, and, and your salvation and that's it. But, you know, life's still going to be hard financially. Life's going to be hard. You know, you'll always have trouble in your family. No. The Bible says when Joshua set himself to fear the Lord and serve God... God said uh, to him, no man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Meaning nothing, no adversary will be able to come against you. There won't be a problem that you won't have power to overcome in life. What did we just read before? Second Chronicles 20. And, lo and the Lord gave them rest round about. Second Chronicles 15. Another uh, story from verse 13 to the end of the chapter. The Bible says the children of God set themselves to seek the Lord with all their heart. And with all their soul. And they entered into a covenant with God. And God gave them supernatural rest from their enemies. God wants you to have roundabout rest. That means every object to concern. Anything that would move you to worry. Anything that would incite anxiety in your heart. That thing was not heaven sent. That's a storm that the devil sent your way to crush you. And to deplete you of strength and energy for today. But God as long as he's on his throne. Is still the master of calming the raging seas. Is still the master at putting the devil to flame. And my God will do that 
for you today in the name of Jesus Christ. A highway will be there, a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it. Meaning sinners, if you're not in Christ, it, life, life, life will continue to be very difficult. But as for the upright, you know, there will be a highway there. And the Bible says, no lion will be there, nor will any ravenous beast. That, that's talking about threats. That's talking about uh, difficult oppositions. It shall not even be found there, but the redeemed shall walk there. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sighing and sorrow will flee away. I want to talk to you very quickly before we pray. And I'm not going to go much longer, so share the broadcast, because now we're getting into the meat. Three areas that God will do a miracle for you today. Number one, miracles in your mind. Mark chapter 5, there was a man... Uh, that was a, a demoniac. 2,000 demons had possessed him for many years. And he was naked and had his dwelling in the tombs, had his dwelling in the, in the graves. The Bible says he would cut himself with stones and he would shout loud day and night. And even the people of the town he lived in had no peace. They tried to bind him, bind him with shackles and chains. It's like a, in modern day, someone, someone putting a a guy in a, in a mental institute in a straitjacket. That's what they try to do. But even if he's in a mental institute with a straitjacket, you know, sometimes demon powers give them supernatural strength. They break free from it, and then they start beating on the doors. It's just a mess. Well, that that's that's not something new. That's been happening even the days, even from the days of Jesus. And no, he had he had no peace. They had tried to help him. They had tried to do everything in in natural strength and power to help him. But he would oftentimes break free from the shackles and he'd go back into the tombs and the graves and he'd cry out day and night. But when Jesus got on the scene, the Bible says when the demon man saw him, he ran to where Jesus was and bowed his face to the ground. Look, what that demon wouldn't submit to in the natural, when the power of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit came, the Bible says that that demon submitted to that power because the anointing lifts up the heavy burden and breaks every yoke of captivity. The devil can't stand the power of God. That's why he gets people to try and mock the power of God. He can get people to try and not believe the power of God, but he cannot stand in the way of the power of God. It's like a bulldozer. It's like a plow that when that plow starts to move and you're in the direction of his, of where he's at, he plow, it clears every mountain gets flattened every crooked place gets straightened every rough path gets smooth by that power and the bible says jesus cast out the devil and the same man that was demonized was sitting clothed and in his right mind hallelujah miracle of the mind you know today they love to they love to give uh, mental illnesses, all kinds of names and stuff, but really the root of those things is spiritual. That's why they don't have a cure for depression. If it was something physiological only, then they would be able to come up with some treatment, some form of treatment, some pill, and that would be the end of it. But they don't have that. They can alleviate symptoms, but it never gets rid of the root. It never gets rid of the actual source of the problem. You know, you, you see that boy in Mark chapter 9 that the Bible says had, had a demon of epilepsy. 
Modern day, they would say, well, he, it's, it's just a physiological problem. He's got epilepsy and all that. But really, you look at the root of it, there was a demonic root. There was a demon that Jesus had to deal with. One out of three sicknesses Jesus healed, there was a demon at the root that he had to cast out. They brought unto him a man, mute and demon-possessed. Mute and demon-possessed, which shows you that the muteness, the reason why he couldn't speak was because of a demonic possession. And when the demon left, the mute began to speak, and the multitudes marveled, saying, we've never seen anything like this in Israel. Hallelujah. So, miracles of the mind. I'll tell you a story. R.W. Shambach was a tent evangelist, passed away in 2012, I believe it is. He was preaching once, and afterwards, a lady came to him and said, I have a, my sister who's been in an insane institute for 30 years, but I have this piece of candy. I want you to, I want you to preach with it, and after you've preached with it, we're going to believe God that the same way we can use handkerchiefs and aprons, I'm going to go and have her uh, suck on that candy, and she's going to be healed. And he said, I won't do it. Because there's nothing in the Bible that says candies can be used like that. I said, if you want, I'll preach with my handkerchief. You can bring that. She said, no, it has to be the candy. And he's like, no, lady, I'm not going to do that. But she insisted. And then he asked, why a candy? And she goes, because in the mental institute that she's at, they sift through the mail. And if they see prayer cloths or handkerchiefs, they, they don't let those things in. So it has to be a candy for it to like clear customs. So she, he ends up preaching that night with it, gives it to her. And that's the end of that. Doesn't see her for, for a year or two. Two years later, he's preaching. And this lady comes up to him and says, Brother Shambach, do you remember a lady that came to you for candy, to, to give you a piece of candy to preach with? And he's like, uh, yeah. He's like, she ends up saying, I'm her sister. I'm the one that was in a mental institute for 30 years. When she gave that to me and put it in my mouth, by the time it was gone, it's like my sanity returned. And here I am, two years later, I have a job now. She had a job working 40 hours a week. She was 30 years without sanity, without peace, totally plagued, had to be shock treatments, everything. Locked up in a, in a Douglas Institute with no help, with no hope of, of breaking out in the natural. And when, they, when that little girl who stood in the gap for her sister brought that candy, and acted on her faith. Didn't just say, well, I believe God can do it. No, acted on her faith. Tied an action to her faith. Two years later, she, was, she had a job working 40 hours a week at the church that uh, Shambach was preaching at in Pennsylvania. Working 40 hours a week was back, you know, totally normal. <laughs> That's what my God can do for you. Medical science might not have the answer for you. But with man, things are impossible. But not with God. With God, all things are possible. That's why I'm happy that uh, she, she posted that, that testimony just before. Rebecca, depressed on all kinds of medication for many years. And the one minute in the power of God has the power to blast out 40 years of depression. And then, God doesn't just take out depression. He then puts in a river of joy that makes glad the city of our God. Stop saying it's impossible. Stop saying I can't do it. 
Stop saying it and it'll never happen. Start saying, I will have it. I, I can say unto this mountain and it shall leave. Start declaring that with God there is nothing that is impossible. For thou, O Lord, hath made the heavens and the earth by thy great power and outstretched arm. And nothing, no, absolutely nothing is too difficult for him. If it can, if it can subdue God, then it can subdue you. But since he's the unchallengeable one, he's the inconquerable one, he's the all-dominant one, he's the all-powerful one, he's the one that said, as I have, as I have thought, so shall it stand. As I have purpose, it shall not be thwarted. He's the God who is the sovereign one, whom the Bible says, whatever it pleases God, that he does. Nothing can stand in his way. So if it can't subdue God, then it can't subdue you. And God said, if you'll start to open up your mouth wide, God said, I'll fill it and I'll soon subdue your enemies and I'll plague all them that hate you. Hallelujah. Miracle of the mind. Number two, miracles in your, in your body. God can do a miracle in your body, in your physical body, your health. Same guy, Shambach. He was telling a testimony once where uh, he, he had just preached in Buffalo, New York. And uh, he had fasted that day, so he was hungry, and a family had invited him to go over to eat after the service so it was about 10 30 11 p.m and they had like he's, i said he had fasted all day but when he got there they had prepared a feast they had you know prime rib they had uh, chicken wings they had fried chicken they had everything everything he liked at his disposal and so when he was about to get in and eat he said i, I was so hungry i was gonna bless the food as quick as i could bless it and dive in but the the man who invited me over said, I'd like to tell you a testimony before we eat. And he said, goodness gracious, make it quick. He didn't actually say it, but he thought that to himself. And so the guy starts opening his mouth and, and giving his testimony. And he says, years ago, I don't know if it was like 25 years ago, he had been diagnosed with spinal meningitis. And he was a very wealthy man, uh, had a government job. And he had spent a lot of money going to different specialists all across the nation of the United States of America. And there was never any cure, never any help, never worked for him. Uh, to the point where he had ended up getting uh, bedridden. And he was paralyzed from the, from the neck down. And so he was in a hospital bed for many, many weeks and months. And then it got to the point where they induced him into a coma. And as he was in that coma... Uh, for three months, his weight went from like 160 down to like 80. He, they were feeding him through, or 90 pounds. They were feeding him through intravenous and uh, IV treatments, you know, saline solutions and stuff to get him to be hydrated. And uh, one day, there was a priest that came into the hospital room where he was at. And the nurse, so he was in a coma, but he said, though I couldn't see anything, I can still hear what was going on around me. And he said, a nurse brought in a priest and the priest got by my bedside and he prayed the blessing. He said, I wasn't a man of faith or anything. And he prayed the blessing over me and he uh, signed the, the final rites and the death certificate. And he said, he'll be dead within, doctor said he'll be dead within a few hours. So priest signs the final death certificate and says, when he dies, just fill in your name and uh, that'll be the end of it. 
And so the priest gets up and leaves. And the nurse, just out of respect, takes the, 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 the sheet, the curtain, that was, the, the, the sheet that was covering his body and just lifts it over his head. And she walks out. When she walked out, and that priest that had a long black flowing robe walked out of the room using the door, he said, my eyes opened and I saw another priest walk in, but he didn't use the door. He walked through the wall. This one used the wall. And the first one that had come in and left had black robe on. This one had a long white flowing robe. And the the man came right by my bedside and he kneeled beside me and he whispered this in my ear. He said, you don't have any trouble. All you need is faith in God. The man got angry and he said, what do you mean I don't have any trouble? If this isn't trouble, I mean the priest just came in and gave me the final rites. If this isn't trouble, I don't know what trouble is. His bank accounts had been depleted. So even if he had gotten, well, you know, like, it's like he had, he had to go back to working back his, working up his wealth again. If this is in trouble, I don't know what trouble is. And the man stooped over and get it and said, I am Jesus. And I have come to heal you. Get up on this word. And I want you to go and shave and clean your face. Then I want you to go into the local bookstore and buy a Bible. Go into the book of John and read it from there. And I'll tell you the way by which you must be saved for eternal life. And he said, the man walked right, right out of the wall. He said, well, if that guy was Jesus and he said he's healing me, I've got nothing to lose. Might as well act on it. So to his surprise, he moves his left foot, which wasn't able to move. He was paralyzed. So he moves his left foot. And that gave him courage to then move both feet and then step onto the floor. Remember, he hadn't eaten in like an actual meal in months. So he was like weak and depleted and straight. He said, when I moved both feet onto the ground and stood up by faith, it was as if I had just taken in three T-bone steaks and I felt strength come back to my body. So I went into the bathroom and began to shave and wash my face. When he did that, the nurse came in to check to see if he was dead. When she came back in, she was like tippy-toeing, just out of reverence, just in case he had died or maybe he was still alive. You know, just tippy-toeing, just to be quiet. She comes by the bed and she had pulled over the sheet. So she pulls back the sheet. And she lets out a yell. Ah! Because there was no body. She thought maybe she, he had been like taken up, raptured, or like Elijah, a whirlwind had taken him up. And she got scared. And then she, um, she saw a light coming from the bathroom. So she marched towards where the bathroom was and opens the door. When she did, she saw him shaving and humming a song. And she got by him and took him by the arm and said, Oh, you poor soul. Don't you know you're dying? Get back into the bed. Isn't that what people do? You step out in faith and they want to bring you back in the boat. 
I'm sure there were people trying to pull Peter back into the boat. Hey, what are you doing? While he was walking on water. People always trying to bring you back into oppression, trying to bring you back into, into your old lifestyle, trying to bring you back into, into, you know, a less than lifestyle. And so he said, he turned to her and said, that priest might have given me the last rites, but another priest came in who gave me the first rites and said, you shall live and not die until of the glory of the Lord. And he said, Brother Schombach, that was 25 years ago. And here I am, still alive, still well, still strong. And that's why I can never talk about this testimony. He was like weeping. And Schombach had put his fork down and he was weeping. And he couldn't tell that testimony without him feeling that same anointing he felt when God had delivered him. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, with a man might have abandoned you. The doctor might have signed that report that said there's no hope go home enjoy your the rest of your life enjoy the few months you have left with your family and then you'll die but they might have given you one report but there's a higher report that god said who shall believe my report that when you believe that report the arm of the lord comes your way and rescues you he'll take you out of the horrible pit and he'll put you on the rock to stay and i see that happening you today in the name of jesus christ in the name of Jesus Christ. And then the third miracle that God can do for you is just a general miracle where he breaks you out of corners. You feel like you have your back backed up into a corner and there's no way out. Let me tell you, he's a God who said, I make even a desert into a pool of water. I make even streams of, uh, I make streams of water to come from desolate ruins. The Bible says, I take your ashes and I have the ability to give you beauty. I can, there's nothing the devil's done to you that God can't turn around today. The Bible says he is the one who reverses the irreversible situations of life. The Bible says when Peter was scheduled for execution in the morning, as the church prayed, God broke them out. The Bible talks about uh, the, the people of Israel, that the Assyrian king and his armies had encamped against them and threatened them and intimidated them, saying, what confidence is this you trust? Because they were, they were demonstrating confidence in God. And so the captain of the Syrian army said, what confidence is this you trust? What God do you serve that I can't deal with? What, what God of the other armies and the other nations were able to prevent me from coming in and taking their land? What difference? What difference do you think your uh, 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 what do you think your God's going to be able to do? Look at them, and he started to name all the other nations that he had subdued. You think you're any different? I'll do the same to you. Why do you think your God's different? And the Bible says Hezekiah strengthened the people, saying, "Don't be afraid of them. Don't be afraid of their of your adversary, for with them is the arm of flesh." But with us is the arm of God who helps us and fights our battles. Many are our adversaries. Many are they that say of you there is no help for you in God. Your family might have mocked you. Your family might have mocked your dedication to God. But God still is a, prof is a professional, is an expert at silencing the opposition. So that instead of them mocking, they start to have their eyes open and their mouths open saying, man, what great things God has done for you. They'll have no choice 
but to believe that the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob is the great I am, the God of miracles, signs, and wonders. I'm going to read one one verse and then we're going to pray. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Verse 1. Therefore, we must give the most earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? That means there's so great a salvation available for you today. But you can either choose to accept it or neglect it. But I know you're on this broadcast because you're, you're here and you mean business with God. Which at first began to be spoken of by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard us. Verse 4, I want you to pay special attention. Hebrews 2, two 4. God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. God bore witness with signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. I had one more scripture pop up to my spirit right now. Galatians 3. This only I want to learn from you. Galatians 3, 2. Did you receive the spirit of God, by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit, or are you now seeking to be made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if it was in vain? Verse 5, Galatians 3, 5. Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you, and he who works miracles among you. This is New Testament. This is New Testament. You have to understand, God doesn't change. I am the Lord your God, I change not. Hebrews 13.8, the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. Doesn't say in he who worked miracles among you. It says he who works miracles among you. Jesus is still a miracle worker. Jesus still split, splits Red Seas. Jesus is still in the business of moving mountains. Jesus is still in the business of tearing down walls. Jesus is still in the business of casting out devils. Jesus is still in the business of releasing those that are in captivity. Jesus is still in the business of healing the sick. Jesus is, he hasn't changed business. He hasn't, you know, had some bad investments in that business so he's ventured out in elsewhere no he's still in the business of raising up the dead he's still in the business of cleansing the lepers he's still in the business of making the maimed whole of restoring that which the enemy took from you and and then making him pay interest and restoring it back sevenfold my God hasn't changed and if he hasn't changed then I know that the same works he did in times past is the same works he'll do here and now did you did he work miracles by the work of the law or by the hearing of faith I want you to understand one thing and then we'll pray you have to understand the difference between faith and hope stop hoping for a breakthrough stop hoping for things to turn around hope I said it before deals with the future when Jesus turned to that Seraphonician woman 
and said, woman, great is thy faith. Let it be unto you as you've desired. He didn't say great is thy hope. When the two blind men cried out for Jesus, Jesus, thou son of David, Jesus, thou son of David, bring them here to me. What do you want me to do for you? I want you to open up my eyes. Do you believe that I'm able to do it? Not do you hope I can do it? Do you believe? Yes, we believe. Then, as you have believed, so let it be done for you. Faith reaches deep into the unseen realm of hope and brings those things into reality. So hope is necessary. Hope is just expectation. Hope is just, it paints the picture of what God can do. But faith doesn't just believe God can do it. Faith says, He can, He will, and He'll do it for me now. The Bible says, All things are possible to him who believes. It takes you believing. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? Yes, Lord, I believe. Hannah believed. And her womb was open and she carried a child. Abraham believed and it was accounted to him to righteousness. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, went out and obeyed, concluding that God was able. Faith concludes. Case closed, God is able. Doesn't leave room for external opinions. Faith concludes. That what God did for them, He'll do for us. Do you know that this book wasn't written just for us to have hope? These, the Bible says these things were written so that you may believe that you have life. The Bible says that uh, these things were written that we through the comfort of the Scriptures might, might believe. The Bible says that all, thing, all these things happened as examples for us. Be followers of them who through faith and patience obtain the promise. This book wasn't written for us to observe the promise. These things were written for us to know how to obtain the promise. And God said the way to do it, call unto me. And I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you know not of. So I want you right now, wherever you're at, to set your faith for those three things. Believe in God for a miracle in your mind. Believe in God for a miracle in your body. Believe in God in a, for a general miracle in life. Such as a, a, a miracle in your, your business. A miracle in your job. A miracle, you know, in your family. Maybe there's tension in your home. Maybe you have a kid that wants nothing to do with you. Or maybe you have a parent that wants nothing to do with you. Believe in God for a general miracle where things can turn around. And now unto him who is able to do far more exceedingly and abundantly all that you can ask or think according to his glorious power at work in you. That means if you can ask it, if you can think it, it's proof that God can do even greater. Because it says that much more. 
Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly all that you can ask or think. If you can ask it, he can do far more abundantly. If you can think it, he can do far more abundantly according to the anointing of the Holy Spirit at work in us. So I want you to set your faith and I'm going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, everyone watching right now, for a miracle in their mind, I pray that every chain that has bound their mind in the oppressive thoughts of suicide, of depression, of anxiety, of panic, I pray right now that those chains break once and for all, that they would be free at last in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for those believing God for a miracle in their body. I release the healing power of God, the resurrection, potent oil of heaven to separate and remove every ounce of sickness and pains in their body right now. That every appointment with death would be done away with. That they would live to tell the testimony. Dealing with chest pains, I pray in the name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus, that those pains go right now. Every anxious spirit, that would cause, you know, tension in the name of Jesus Christ. It comes off your body right now. Spirit of infirmity, I loose you from it now in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Be free. And then miracles in life. Every Red Sea gets parted now. Every Jordan River gets parted now. Every dry place, wilderness, desert place. God does a new thing from this moment forward. Well, you'll have to pinch yourself to think, is this real or am I living a dream? But it won't be a dream. It'll be a reality from now on. The years that the locusts have eaten, the time you thought you lost in the name of Jesus Christ, God will make up that time for you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. If you're here today, you need to give your life to Jesus. The Bible says, He that has the Son has life. He that has not the Son hath not life and abides in death. You're dead to God if you're not saved. You need to get saved. How do you get saved? A, B, C. Admit you're a sinner. Believe that God has raised Jesus from the dead. And then confess Jesus as Lord of your life. Pray this with me from the bottom of your heart. Pray, pray this. Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead. And I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. I will live for you. Forgive me of my sin. Where I was weak, make me strong. I receive your miracle power now. By faith in the working and the power of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd love for you to get in contact with me. SalvationNow.ca And the first link that pops up is I just got saved. Click it. Fill it out. I want to get some stuff to you free of charge. I pay shipping. I pay handling. I pay everything. I want to bless you. I want to help you. Stay connected with us by visiting us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching at TJ Malkanji. Or visit us online www.salvationnow.ca God bless you and until next time.